Good morning, friends. Looks like we're recording. Welcome to Mog Farts episode two. I believe we're going to call this one Unis said Leo, and you're going to have to stick around to the end or just duck, duck, go it to learn what that means. I just learned it this morning. It is 6.15 a.m. on a Sunday morning here in beautiful, cold Alpine, Wyoming. Haven't gone live, haven't done a podcast for a while because I have been skiing my face off. Man, there's nothing I love more than skiing. Those of you watching, check this out. I'm going to stand up, so we're going to lose the audio for just a second here. For those of you that aren't watching, that's a t-shirt from 1994, 1995, the winter of. It says Winona cross-country skiing. And I still remember when I fell in love with skiing as a young kid. I'm going to tell you some stories today. Again, podcasts, you know, this is a good thing to have on in the background. I don't encourage people to spend too much time sitting in front of screens. Yeah, I'm doing a video too, but this might be more appropriate. Something to, you know, put on, put your headphones in and go walk the dog or shovel snow. Or go for an adventure. Go to some trailhead you've never been to before and go for a hike. Or maybe you're working on something. Maybe you're making candles. Maybe you're building something out of wood. You're doing something. Maybe cooking a nice meal for your friends or family. Whatever it is. Put this on in the background. I'll talk to you. But back to the t-shirt. I remember 94, 95. I was in seventh grade, and I wasn't very good at sports. Historically, I hadn't been very good at sports. I was a chubby kid, but I was starting to slim down by then. I still remember going out skiing, learning to ski, going to the trails at St. Mary's University, Winona, Minnesota, skiing around, and I felt like I was, you know, finally found something I was really good at, cross-country ski racing. And it was super fun because the girls' team had won the state meet the year before. A lot of very talented, fit juniors and seniors at the high school there. And all these girls took me under their wing and taught me how to ski. And I'll tell you what, for a seventh grade boy, that was just about as much fun as I could ever hope for. Still chasing that feeling these days, going out backcountry skiing at every opportunity going exploring the mountains. I had a book here, but I lost it. But Tom Turiano's Jackson Hole South Tome, it is a girthy, big coffee table book. And his description of the backcountry experience on the back cover really encapsulates it for me. To paraphrase the last sentence of that, he says, Go take this, uh, you know, go out and explore. Then take the magic that you discover out there and share it with the world. Which is why I've started the Mogfart School of Backcountry Wizardry. If you're watching the video, you can see I got the Bridger Teton Avalanche Center Western Wyoming PM forecast for last night. Real briefly, since a lot of people that are watching this are probably into backcountry skiing so important to read the forecast from the Abbey Center. 
you know, they show the Teton area, they show uh, the Southwest trails and grays, which is where I have been skiing lately. No hazard, low hazard does not mean no hazard, but uh, it's important to stay up on that. I'm going to share a couple of websites that I find really useful too for dealing with any outdoor activity, whether you're talking about backcountry skiing or rock climbing or gardening or planning your daughter's wedding, whatever it is, spotweather.com, very useful. You can hit this where am I button and it brings up all these various forecasts for you. Usually I look at the 10-day and then if I'm going to go do some big objective, I'll look at other ones. But you can see how convenient that graphical interface is. Shows you the temperature and relative humidity forecast for the next 10 days, highs and lows, precipitation, cloud cover, wind and pressure, lifted index, and all sorts of stuff you're really not going to need. But that's very, very useful. Another little tip for anybody that likes exploring the mountains, the wilderness, wants to go see new things, or just wants to explore from the safety and comfort of their computer screen, I can't recommend uh, this app, Fat Map, enough. It really, really useful. You can see we got it uh, zoomed in on the uh, Grand Teton, the Teton range there. And right now it has an avalanche overlay. This is basically like Google Earth on steroids. Um, there's some things I don't like about this app. I don't like how they give you the option to share routes with everybody. But so useful it's free but if you want to download the maps to have them available for offline use i think it's like 29 or 30 euro per year it's a german company and uh the nicest thing about it are these overlays you can see right now it's got the avalanche overlay i can hit the aspect overlay and that shows us based on the color that shows us which way the slopes face. You can see south is red, north is blue, etc. Spin that around. You know, right now it hasn't snowed in 10 days, but there's still great snow lingering in some spots. Anybody listening? Mid elevations, 9 to 7, below the high wind line. You know, the wind's whipping up high. If you went up to the top of the Grand Teton right now, it would be disastrously crusty, I would imagine. Well, not disastrously, but dangerously and uncomfortably crusty. But Fat Map, can't get enough of it. Um, elevation, another overlay. It'll show you places that are flat. So if you're going out in the mountains and you want to go camping, you want to look for a place that's totally flat. Also, gradient overlay. But what's really cool about this is you can you can roll up on a new mountain that you've never been to before and look for the easiest way up it, the safest way up it, based on the avalanche, terrain, the aspect, etc., etc. Backcountry skiing, so much fun. Interestingly, you see I got a couple little dots there. Those are from... I went out, I remember it was a gnarly day a couple years ago. I just went and skied 25 short because it was so gnarly. And uh, the reason I went out there, even though it was gnarly, high Abbey danger, just snow coming down at least an inch an hour, high winds, bad visibility. 
you can see if you're looking at the screen, eight pack in formation and a six pack in formation. That was uh, members of the Arcteryx Academy two years ago, out skiing in high abbey dangers in, in big groups, not following the basic rule. The most, the number one commandment of Bruce Tremper's brilliant book, former director of the Utah Avalanche Center, Staying Alive in Avalanche Terrain. The first commandment, thou shalt go one at a time, Arcteryx Academy. Global corporations exploiting Grand Teton National Park for power and profit and promotional materials under the guise of backcountry education. Well, they're out there in Abbey terrain. Granted, it's only, you know, 25 to 35 degrees, so probably not going to slide. But teaching people bad habits, big groups skiing on top of each other, big groups of novices skiing on top of each other. And interestingly, the academy might not be dead. You know, a couple of years ago, a lot of people spoke up about it. I know I was very vocal about it. And a lot of people helped. Even the Jackson Hole News and Guide published a full page guest shot letter to the editor from me about how the Academy gave us a unique opportunity to explore the growing trend towards commercial use of the backcountry around Jackson Hole. And interestingly, they're trying to bring it back. Luckily, this year's Academy has been canceled. They're going to blame COVID. But I just, you know, I check this about once a week to see what the status is of the Academy. Because I don't think that a global corporation based in Vancouver, British Columbia, which is a subsidiary of Amerisports, a much larger corporation based in Europe. I think it's Finland or Switzerland, or not Switzerland, Finland or Sweden. I forget which. But Amerisports owns Atomic and other ski companies. Not to disparage Arcteryx, they make great outerwear. Atomic makes great skis. But... They shouldn't be acting like guide services. They shouldn't be acting like a guide concession in a public park in the United States. Anyway, enough about that. Moving on. Again, if you're out exploring the mountains, Fat Map is going to help you out. And let's keep an eye on this academy thing because I heard, you know, I heard through the grapevine, I heard last winter the rumor mill which is very active around Jackson Hole, was that the Academy was going to be permanently canceled and they were going to blame COVID. But now the website's updated and looks like, oh, we're, we're going to start doing it again once COVID is uh, not a thing anymore. So let me say, you're going to get some pushback if you keep acting like a guide service, a concessionaire in U.S. national parks as a large multinational corporation. Arcteryx has dozens of brand stores all over the world. and I think 12,000 licensed retailers, right? They've got the contract to build equipment, outerwear for the Canadian military. I'm sure it's really nice stuff. Arcteryx makes great stuff, but... They shouldn't be operating like a guide concession. That would be like if Patagonia or the North Face or Eddie Bauer 
or some American company decided it wanted to exploit Rogers Pass, Glacier National Park, Canada, or the Bugaboos under the guise of backcountry education. There are plenty of places to teach people the basics of backcountry safety outside of the pristine protected national parks. Enough about that. Good news. Of course, we got to talk about COVID. I know y'all are tired of talking about it, tired of listening about it, but I got some good news today. Three days ago, COVID vaccine mandate blocked by the Supreme Court. That's great news. Supreme Court blocked federal COVID vaccine mandate, which required employees. I'm going to put required in air quotes because mandates are not laws, my friends. But they were trying to get any company with 100 or more employees to have everybody vaccinated or tested weekly. But one mandate is still in effect. What mandate is still in effect? That is the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services requirement for healthcare workers to be vaccinated. Okay. It's funny how that works. They're kicking out, you know, the, the Western medical system is so corrupt. As some of y'all may know, I attended medical school briefly and dropped out when I realized how it was more about profit than people. It was more about health than wealth. Western medicine Absurdly, 20% of gross domestic product in this country. Americans, we spend about $10,000 per capita on health care annually. $10,000 per person annually. It's 20% of GDP. We spend way more. Healthcare is way overpriced in this country. And, you know, healthcare providers don't even list their prices up front. It's a blatant scam. COVID has made that obvious and apparent to so many people, which is a good thing. Even uh, the local rag uh, putting up some things about how the American healthcare system is on life support. But that's beside the point. Good news, vaccine mandate blocked. Bad news, bad news. This is from a week ago. It says 20 hours ago, but I'm using the Wayback Machine to uh, beat the paywall here at the Jackson Hole snooze and slide. Jackson Hole leading the nation in per capita COVID cases. And the surge has increased since then. Luckily, not that many people are having a really bad time of it. Although, like any disease, COVID can get you. If you're unhealthy, if you're elderly, if you have other serious healthcare conditions. But you can see, uh, interestingly, they're saying they have 620 active COVID cases in Teton County. But on the 13th, the last day reported they had a whopping 270 new cases that day, far above the peak that was set about a year ago, almost exactly a year ago, mid-January 2021, when they had a peak of 78 cases. Teton County, they've lost their lost their minds to COVID up there. It's sad to see so many people suffering and living in fear up there. And I'm going to read you something that I wrote recently. 
Interestingly, on the tetoncountywyoming.gov website, it says we are experiencing a surge. This was this was posted on December twenty seventh, twenty twenty one. We are currently seeing a surge in COVID cases in Teton County that is exceeding our ability to reach every individual who has tested positive and those who have been exposed. And that's from the 27th. Here we are a little more than two weeks later and they still have that up. They're still, you know, they were in the practice of calling everybody that had a positive test and doing contact tracing, but I guess they just couldn't hire more staff to keep up. You know, they hype this up like it's so important that we monitor test and of course vaccinate and boost up there in teton county they've been pushing it so hard but the health department just can't devote a little more resources hire a little more staff to get in contact with the 270 people per day testing positive up there in teton county funny too you know you think about it that this thing's been going on for two years and they haven't built like more icu beds at the hospitals or anything like that nah they want us to be prepared they want us to acquiesce to experimental injections that sure seem rather ineffective no long-term safety testing known negative side effects Straining the unreliable VAERS system. Yes, VAERS is unreliable. But why is it set up that way? Why is that the way they monitor vaccine adverse events? Hmm. We talk about science in this country. But there's no reliable way to measure, to quantify how many people suffer, get sick and die after so-called vaccinations. Teton County, according to this COVID vaccine tracker, they are 91% fully vaccinated and uh, 106% vaccinated with at least one dose. How does that happen? I don't know. But at the same time, they're literally leading. They got the most cases per capita in the country, despite being one of the most vaxxed. It's hard to know, you know, the statistics, all the statistics, the testing stats, the death stats, all of it, even the vax stats are questionable. According to the Wyoming Department of Health, Teton County, 85% uh, fully jabby jabbed. Lincoln County, where I live, 39%. Those numbers are as of January 10th, 2022. My advice to all of you, don't let Big Pharma genetically modify you. These mRNA injections do just that. I got a couple books here today I'm going to give you a little look at. The first one, Blatant Propaganda, that I've been reading recently. Let me hide this. There it is. The Code Breaker by Walter Isaacson. This was a gift. My my parents gave me this for Christmas, so of course I, I read it, but not impressed by this book. And we'll, I'll explain why later in the show. 
it was good. It's good to read. It's good to know what the propagandists are doing, how they're spinning their wheels, how they're steering the narrative. Another book, the book I'm working on right now, COVID-19 and the Global Predators, We Are the Prey, by Peter R. Bregan, MD, and his wife, Ginger Ross Bregan, with forewords by Peter McCullough, Elizabeth Lee Vlay, sorry if I mispronounced that, and Vladimir Zelenko, all of them MDs. Peter McCullough, also an MPH. This is a great book. These Bregans are pulling no punches. But back to Teton County. The irony of one of the most vaxxed counties in the nation. Of course, the nation with the highest per capita healthcare spending by far. I think Sweden, Sweden comes in second. They spend somewhere between six and seven thousand USD per capita annually, and they're a whole lot healthier than we are. United States, ten thousand per capita, twenty percent of GDP, yet not very healthy. Luckily, even though Teton County, Wyoming, is leading the surge of Omicron. So they say, who knows? It's hard to know what to believe. It's hard to know. It's hard to trust these tests. Of course, shouldn't trust these tests. But luckily, despite the reported surge, healthcare not strained here in the state of Wyoming. 82 of 136 ICU beds are open. Ventilators, 244 of 259. Thank God for that because the ventilators kill people. And despite the just the massive surge, there's only 91 so-called COVID patients in hospitals across the state. So that's great news. Let's see. Jackson Hole, where they're leading the surge. They have... Uh, eh. They have six ICU beds. Five of them are open. So I think we're going to be okay. And again, remember, my friends, I can't stress it enough. There are safe, affordable, effective, time-tested, proven early treatments for these coronavirus infections. Stuff like hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin, vitamin D zinc, vitamin C, proper hydration, so many things you can do. Just get healthy. Again, take this podcast, go for a walk. Just go for a walk. Your body will thank you for it with health. And of course, health is the real wealth. Casper Star Tribune reported on January 11th, 2022, that testing and vaccine demand is up in Wyoming since the new year. Now they got this test to stay program going. I don't know if anybody's looked into that, but this is, I think this is really kind of driving the surge. They're making teachers and well, I don't know if they're making it with the mandates, but I think, yeah, school boards seem to be mandating that teachers and students who have not been experimentally injected get tested regularly if they have been exposed 
to somebody who tested positive for the coronavirus. Of course, at a school, if one kid has a positive test, well, then everybody was exposed. So who knows how many people they're testing? Probably quite a few people. I think that is part of the reason we're seeing this surge in numbers. Bear in mind, I'm going to read you what I just had on the screen. It's my uh, open letter to the editor of the Jackson Hole News and Guide. It's funny, they still haven't, no one there has gotten back to me. I sent this to every email address on their contact page, about 50 email addresses. Also sent it to the Teton County Commissioners. And the only person I heard back from was Commissioner Epstein, who thanked me for my diligence in staying on top of this issue and encouraged me to keep fighting the good fight for truth and justice and freedom and liberty and health against fear and propaganda and so forth. So thank you, Commissioner Epstein. Thank you for standing up. Thanks for writing back. So I'm going to read you that. I'll read it right now. But again, it's funny, I, uh, you know, over a month ago, early December, maybe December 5th, somewhere around then, I sent an email to maybe 20 email addresses at the JH News and Guide. Real nice. Also sent it to the commissioners, offering them a Christmas gift in the form of Robert F. Kennedy Jr.'s brilliant new best-selling book, The Real Anthony Fauci, Bill Gates, Big Pharma, and the Global War on Health and Democracy. If you haven't read that book, I encourage you to get a copy. It says it's back-ordered all over, but I've bought seven or eight copies off of Amazon. I know we shouldn't support Amazon. I agree with that, but I don't have a bookstore locally, and I'm not going to drive to Idaho Falls to get one. And on Amazon, there's only 20 bucks a copy, though the MSRP manufacturer's suggested retail price is 35 So... I've been ordering copies from there. Usually they show up within two weeks, despite the fact that it says they're out of stock. They're getting more in stock. They're sending them out. I think it's kind of funny when you think about it, when I think about it, how Amazon's able to profit off of selling books that say quite clearly, and I'm glad they can do it. But it's just ironic that we experience, you know, those of us trying to speak out in opposition to the official narrative, the official propaganda. I've been so heavily censored. You know, doctors have lost their licenses. People have lost their jobs. Folks have lost their online presence. They've been shadow banned, deplatformed, etc. Even Robert F. Kennedy Jr. got deleted off of Instagram over a year ago now, but Amazon can profit from selling his book. And, you know, I'm glad they're selling it. Number one bestseller, the real Anthony Fauci. Get yourself a copy and read that thing cover to cover. It's impeccably researched. Back to my own attempt at writing. I hope we end the plague of propaganda. My wish for 2022. An open letter to the editor of the Jackson Hole News and Guide. Starts off with a quote from last week's JHNG. So many solutions await 
As you look forward to 2022, what do you wish most for our community's future? Email us at editor at jhnewsandguide.com with my wish for 2022 in the subject line. That is a great idea. I am happy to oblige. My wish for 2022 is simple. I hope our local newspaper will help us end the purported COVID pandemic and the divisive, destructive, and deadly plague of power-consolidating, profit-generating, freedom-threatening, pharma-enthroning, fear-spreading propaganda. The Jackson Hole News and Guide is uniquely capable of helping our community end both of these disasters, and I am writing to encourage you to do so. As you say, so many solutions await, and the time for you to implement them is long past due. Here in 42% fully vaccinated, or 39, depending on where you get your information, here in 42%, yeah, let's just, let me throw it out there. You know, some websites say 42% in Lincoln County and over 90% in Teton County. But the Wyoming Department of Health says 85% in Teton County and 39% in Lincoln County. So I'm just going to stick with the higher numbers because that's what I was reading when I wrote this. Here in 42% fully vaccinated Lincoln County, the general consensus is that the pandemic ended long ago, if a legitimate pandemic ever actually occurred. We all know that COVID is a real disease, but the official narrative has been so overblown and inconsistent that it bears little resemblance to our experiences in actual reality. As many of us enjoy living normal lives free from fear, it is heartbreaking to see the record surge of positive PCR tests and the incessant plague of propaganda afflicting our 90% fully vaccinated neighbors to the north in Teton County. I feel especially bad for local kids dealing with so much unnecessary fear and uncertainty. Folks who have been discriminated against and bullied based on their vaccination status and the employers and employees struggling to keep up with the influx of holiday visitors while chronically short-staffed and under constant threat of having to shut down completely due to positive PCR tests. The simplest solution is to stop hyping up COVID propaganda and to stop pushing unreliable testing like the vault and curative PCR tests used to justify the endless state of high risk in Teton County. Every day for the last several months, the Jackson Hole Daily has got this COVID doomometer pinned in the red, pinned on high for months, for months and months and months. Same graphic on the front page. They never change it. And now, you know, they've been crying wolf for so long. And now that they got 270 new daily positive PCR tests recently, they, they can't go any higher. If the Bridger Teton Avalanche Center 
kept the avalanche danger pinned on high. Based on one questionable variable, people would stop reading their forecasts and respecting their opinions. The same applies to health officials and media outlets who have cried wolf and assured us that the sky is falling for the last two years. Perhaps our local paper is high on advertising revenue, and many of our local leaders are drunk on perceived power. In late October 2021, when County Commissioner Epstein, thank you, Mr. Epstein, not Jeffrey Epstein, but the local county commissioner, Epstein. In late October 2021, when Mr. Epstein considered lifting the mask mandate, it came out that Teton County Health Officer Travis Riddell, Travis Chicken Little, Riddle as I call him, did not know how many amplification cycles the vault and curative PCR tests were being run. Fortunately, local businesswoman and Mountain Freedom Alliance member Savannah Garnick picked up the slack and discovered that vault tests are being run for 37 cycles and curative tests were being run for 42 cycles. She has emails from the manufacturers confirming this. One awaiting solution would be a Jackson Hole News and Guide investigative report on this important topic. And again, thank you to everybody who's in the Mountain Freedom Alliance, especially Savannah Garnick. Check out her cafe. She owns a cafe in the old Jackson Hole Playhouse. Go in there. Support that business because these are the people fighting for freedom. Thank you again, Mrs. Garnick. More amplification cycles results in more positive tests. And at excessive cycle thresholds, many false positive results will be obtained. Knowing how many cycles it takes to deliver a positive result is crucial to properly interpreting tests and providing optimal patient care. For example, if a patient tests positive after 20 cycles, they are carrying a lot of virus and should be treated accordingly. If a patient tests positive after 36 cycles, that is almost certainly a false positive result. We know this thanks to real science, not pharma science with a capital dollar sign. And even Dr. Fauci himself told us that a PCR COVID test is useless and misleading when the test is run at 35 cycles or higher. He told us this while speaking on the July 16th, 2020, This Week in Virology podcast. You know, a year and a half ago, July 16th, 2020. But apparently the JH News and Guide hasn't got the memo. According to Fauci, if you get a cycle threshold of 35 or more, the chances of it being replication competent are minuscule. You almost never can culture virus from a 37th threshold cycle, even 36. It's just dead nucleoids, period. I'll translate that into English for you real quick. The PCR test is looking for genetic material from viruses and every time it runs a cycle it doubles i think it doubles i gotta double check but it increases the number there it amplifies the number there so you could find you know if you ran a test for 50 cycles you'd probably have a positive result in every single one fauci's telling us 
that a test over 35 cycles is pretty useless and is going to give false positives. Teton County's vault tests were being run at 37 cycles in October, and the curative tests were being run at 42 cycles. As admitted by Fauci, these tests are too sensitive and are giving false positive results. Strangely, PCR test cycle thresholds are seemingly impossible to find online, so it is disappointing, but not surprising, that Travis Chicken Little Riddle could not give us an answer about them back in October. Also, it is important to note that though we know how these tests were being conducted in October, we do not know how they are being conducted now. For all we know, the latest batch of PCR tests could be more sensitive, run more cycles, than previous tests, and the ongoing surge of positive tests in Teton County could be driven more by changed protocols than actual COVID cases. Another awaiting solution would be a Jackson Hole News and Guide investigative report on this important topic. I didn't include it in the article, but it's also important to note that these tests, you know, they could change. Not only could they change the cycle thresholds, but they could change the genetic code, the genetic materials that they're looking for. Nobody, you know, nobody locally is studying this. They could get a truckload of tests and, you know, they say COVID tests, but what if they're actually looking for uh, genetic material from the flu or the common cold? Well, then they're going to come back positive quite a bit because we all know many coronaviruses, stuff like the common cold, other viruses like the flu, they're with us. They're with humanity. There's no beating them. They're part of life. And we got to keep living despite that. All that said, let's take a look at the official statistics. One year ago, Teton County set its previous daily record with 78 positive PCR tests. That record was shattered on December 30th, 2021, two days before Teton County's latest mask mandate ended, with 109 positive PCR tests reported that day. By January 5th, that number ramped up to 178, 228% higher than the previous daily peak during the holiday surge of 2021. And now, it's important to note, they're up to 270 positive tests on January 13th. Way higher, 100, 100 more per day, 92 more per day than we saw on January 5th. This is, uh, this is from the 7th, so these stats are a little dated, but I'm just going to keep reading what I wrote a week ago. Wyoming's statewide seven-day average for positive PCR tests peak at 698 per day in November 2020. Currently, Wyoming's seven-day average is climbing, but sits at 355, approximately half of the previous peak. Teton County's 90-plus percent fully vaccinated population is driving the current statewide surge with an average, seven-day average, of 122 positive tests per day. Now, of course, that number is much higher. In comparison, 42% fully vaccinated Lincoln County's current average sits at eight positive tests per day. Per day. Curiously, the most fully vaccinated, boosted, 
and COVID-obsessed 4% of Wyoming's population in Teton County currently contributes 34%, now it's higher, of new positive PCR tests statewide. In comparison, Lincoln County is home to 3.5% of Wyomingites, but currently accounts for only 2.2% of Wyoming's positive PCR tests, despite one of the lowest experimental injection rates in the state. Official figures tell us that 47% of Wyomingites are fully vaccinated, compared to Teton County's 90% fully vaccinated population. I put fully vaccinated in quotes throughout this article because experimental mRNA injections that have clearly not conferred effective long-lasting immunity are not vaccines in the traditional sense. Furthermore, fully is an elusive term, as evidenced by the push for three or even four shots over the course of a year instead of the two shots we were initially implored to inject. We are verboten to speculate that the vaccines and boosters might not be as safe and effective as folks like Fauci, Gates, and Biden told us they were. For example, during a CNN town hall on July 21st, 2021, President Biden told the nation, quote, you are not going to get COVID if you have these vaccinations. And the fact checkers so quick to write off any skepticism as dangerous misinformation deemed Biden's statements half true. Clearly, the ongoing surge of positive PCR tests in Teton County proves that either Biden's statement is totally false, that the vault and curative PCR tests are giving false positives, or both. If I were a betting man, I would put my money on both. Another awaiting solution would be a JH News and Guide investigative report on this important topic. Fortunately, despite the uncertainty about the injections and ongoing surge of positive PCR tests led by Teton County, Wyoming's healthcare system is nowhere near being overwhelmed by the purported pandemic. Statewide, at the time of writing, 76 of 136 ICU beds are open. Now, uh, that number's higher. I think it's 82, if I remember what I just said 20 minutes ago. 82 of 136 are open. And at the time, only 63 total hospitalized people were categorized as COVID patients, compared to 115 hospitalized COVID patients a month ago, and 249 hospitalized COVID patients at the height of the latest reported peak prior to this one in late October 2021. I put COVID patients in quotes throughout this article because most of these hospitalized Wyomingites suffer from other serious health conditions, and a positive PCR test does not mean that COVID is the actual or only cause of their hospitalization. The same important distinction applies to many deaths, which have consistently been incorrectly reported as COVID deaths by the Jackson Hole News and Guide when the Wyoming Department of Health correctly categorizes those deaths as COVID-related. A positive PCR test prior to death or posthumously does not mean that death was caused by COVID. Another awaiting solution would be a JH News and Guide investigative report 
or at least a correction addressing this important topic. While you're at it, please take a look at the blatant financial incentives prompting healthcare providers to label patients and deaths as COVID. We are also fortunate that 246 of Wyoming's 260 ventilators are open. That number is similar today, eight days later, eight days after this was written. This is great news because the ventilators are expensive, invasive, ineffective, contribute to serious side effects, and can be deadly. This has been widely reported since the early days of the pandemic, but not, so far as I know, by the Jackson Hole News and Guide. Another awaiting solution would be a JH News and Guide investigative report on this important topic. Ironically, many reputable, reliable, credentialed, and consistently correct experts have been fact-checked, restricted, deplatformed, threatened, fired, and otherwise censored for questioning the official COVID dogma or saying anything that could be perceived as leading to vaccine hesitancy. Another awaiting solution would be a Jackson Hole News and Guide investigative report into the dangers of censorship. Recently, your paper has repeatedly called for unity and civil discourse, but your consistently biased and fear-based coverage of COVID shows your failure to practice what you preach. You seek solutions, but the only COVID solutions you have offered our community are faulty tests, dehumanizing mask mandates, dogmatic adherence to the science with a capital dollar sign, and more doses of the ineffective experimental injections you have been pushing aggressively for the last year. All the while you bully and belittle anyone who does not share your editorial opinion by labeling them anti-vaxxers and conspiracy theorists. You know that name-calling is no longer kosher on the playground, right? And it certainly has no place in real journalism. Another awaiting solution would be exploring the possibility that you might not be right about everything and correcting course accordingly. If you truly seek unity in civil discourse, a formal apology to the large segment of the community you have demonized and alienated would be another awaiting solution. In early December, I offered your entire staff a Christmas gift in the form of Robert F. Kennedy Jr.'s new best-selling book, The Real Anthony Fauci, Bill Gates, Big Pharma, and the Global War on Health and Democracy. Sadly, nobody at your newspaper took me up on my offer. Nobody even bothered to reply to the email I sent you all. And I sent it to the county commissioners too. Only Commissioner Epstein replied, thank you, Commissioner Epstein. He said he was already reading the book and he encouraged me to send his copy to Travis Riddell, MD, the pediatrician who gets paid to treat children like pincushions by injecting them with an assortment of pharma concoctions in their earliest days of life. So I did that. I sent a copy to Riddell. Haven't heard back from him. In the month since, now it's been more than a month, in the month since I re have read two additional best-selling books about the COVID situation, 
The Code Breaker by former Time and CNN editor Walter Isaacson, a book which I am sure your staff would find incredibly comforting. And Pandemia by former New York Times reporter Alex Berenson, which I think is an excellent example of controlled opposition presenting readers with a limited hangout contrarian COVID narrative. All three books have given me a more well-informed perspective of where we were at, where we are at, and how we got here. Another awaiting solution would be encouraging your writers and readers to explore a wide variety of perspectives on the most important issues affecting us all before spouting off about science with a capital dollar sign, science-based solutions. In closing, I sincerely hope that your paper will help our community end the purported COVID pandemic and the divisive, destructive, and deadly plague of power-consolidating, profit-generating, freedom-threatening, pharma-enthroning, fear-spreading propaganda. I sincerely hope that some of your staff will take up my standing offer to send them free copies of RFK Jr.'s new best-selling book, I sincerely hope that you will print this letter in its entirety to help inform your readers of alternative perspectives on the pandemic. I sincerely hope we can get a legitimate dialogue going on the variety of available solutions that have proven far more effective than unreliable testing, mandatory masking, and the forceful push for ineffective experimental injections with no long-term safety testing. If these hopes for 2022 do not materialize, I sincerely hope that local businesses will stop supporting blatantly biased and misleading media outlets by directing their advertising dollars elsewhere. I also hope that other media outlets materialize to fill the void left by the once great Jackson Hole News and Guide. Of course, I sincerely hope, of course, excuse me, I sincerely hope you choose to correct course instead. Take care. Sincerely, yours truly, Max Mugger. And it doesn't seem like they're trying to correct course. You know, it's so strange. There's there's only one guy at the Jackson Hole News and Guide who's writing on the, the topic. And he's like a 20-year-old kid from Boston speaking for the community. Kid with no background in medicine, science, got a journalism degree from, I forget which school, but I looked into him before. And uh, yeah, they got a 20-year-old kid put pumping out all this propaganda. Had a lot of great comments on here. Carol Parker says, thank you. You're right on all counts. Malika, what a well-written, well-rounded editorial. Cheers to these hopes for 2022. Dun, dun, dun. Jess, wow, thank you. Very informative, thought-provoking, and needed. Thank you. And then, of course, I got uh, one nasty comment. I'm going to read you this one because this showcases the mindset of people that have been sucked in to the mass formation psychosis, people who've bought in to the propaganda, people who swallowed the official narrative and all its changes wholeheartedly despite the fact that they keep changing the story. They keep evolving the science. Carl Straff, I think that might be a pseudonym because I looked him up and couldn't find any Carl Straff. 
This is written from a me perspective. It's dangerous at best. Knowing a person that died because they couldn't get into an intensive care bed is enough evidence for me that this pandemic is very real. How more real does it get? Wearing a mask isn't because I'm afraid. It's because I care about more than just myself. You are an actual terrorist with your misinformation. Weren't you the guy on the megaphone ranting outside Dr. Riddell's home while young children were scared inside? That's the definition of terrorism. The scary thing is that people follow you and other good people die due to this misinformation campaign you are a part of. I don't even know where to start with that. First off, Mr. Straff, you've been misinformed. I would not go out in front of somebody's house with a megaphone. I don't own a megaphone. I don't want to own a megaphone. And I don't know where Dr. Riddell lives. So you're spreading totally unfounded BS rumors about me. And generally, BS doesn't work on people who've devoted their lives to exposing BS. You call me a terrorist. You accuse me of misinformation. I think you might want to look into the definition of terrorism. Terrorism is ruling through fear, intimidation, threats, and outright violence. Terrorists say things like, if you don't do what we say, we're going to do this to you. If you don't do what we demand, this is going to happen to you. For example, if you don't price your oil and sell your oil in our currency, we're going to use economic warfare, weather warfare, boots on the ground invasions, and perhaps even nuclear warfare to set you straight. That's the kind of thing terrorists say. Terrorists say things like, if you don't get the jab, you're going to lose your job. That's the kind of thing terrorists say. In this article, I'm encouraging open dialogue. I'm encouraging people to explore a wide variety of perspectives. And I'm offering people free books so they can inform themselves. There's nothing terroristic about it, but... As for your previous point, you know, I'm sorry to hear that you had a friend died or knowing a person that died because they couldn't get into an intensive care bed. Uh, Mr. Straff, where was your friend living? Because here in the United States, the hospital system has never been overwhelmed. There have always been ICU beds available. Maybe not at your local hospital, but guess what? The United States has an incredible network of roads. Somebody could have driven your friend to another hospital, an ambulance, a friend, a helicopter. They could have taken a helicopter from one hospital to another hospital, as happens so commonly around here. Even in New York City, at the height of the surge, when all the fear was getting ramped up, when former disgraced, murdering Governor Cuomo was putting COVID-positive patients into nursing homes, spreading the disease in nursing homes. 
when New York City hospitals were killing people with ventilators. They were never overwhelmed. That giant U.S. military hospital ship that they pulled in as a PR stunt never saw a COVID patient. Even then and there, the hospitals were not overwhelmed. So what are you talking about? And even if a hospital was overwhelmed, there are hundreds of other hospitals in this country that were not overwhelmed. So perhaps this person that you know who died because they couldn't get into an intensive care bed, perhaps they died because the healthcare system failed them. But that's not my fault. And important to note, you know, big pharma, big government, big healthcare, they have been suppressing safe, effective, affordable, at-home, early treatments since the onset of the pandemic. So, Mr. Straff, I'm sorry about your comment. You know, <coughs> oh, excuse me. I got to drink something. Your comment didn't fall on deaf ears, but it fell on critically analytical ears attached to a, a brain. And I hope you break free from the spell that you're living under. Even the New York Times told us in August, August 29th, 2020, your coronavirus test is positive. Maybe it shouldn't be. The usual diagnostic tests may simply be too sensitive and too slow to contain the spread of the virus, they say. But keyword, too sensitive. If you read this article, which I'm not going to do because it's old, you can find it. It's on the Wayback Machine. You can get any website outside the paywall by just copying and pasting the link into the Wayback Machine at web.archive.org. But long story short, August 29th, 2020, well over a year ago, the New York Times let us know that the PCR tests were too sensitive. And now they've got this whole test to stay thing going. I'm over at cdc.gov. And they, it's amazing how many words they can put on a page without telling you exactly what uh, they're trying to say to you. Bottom line, test to stay in K-12 through schools. Test to stay is a practice comprised of contact tracing and serial testing testing that is sequentially repeated to allow school-associated close contacts who are not fully vaccinated to continue in-person learning during their quarantine period. While implementation of test to stay may vary, contact tracing and testing as well as masking of contacts during their in-school quarantine period are integral to minimize risk of transmission. Schools may consider the use of test to stay to minimize the impact of quarantine and limit school absences after a SARS-CoV-2 exposure in the K-12 through school setting. Translated into English, they're testing kids like crazy in schools across the country. Kids have essentially no risk of a bad outcome from COVID, essentially no risk of death, right? Any sane society would let the kids catch it, get over it, get on with their lives. But instead, anybody who's a close contact of a school, school-associated close contact who's not fully vaccinated is going to be repeatedly tested and these tests are going to come back positive because the tests are unreliable. 
Of course, they tell us, oh, these tests, we're, we're confident that it's Omicron. Good news from the uh, International Business Times. Not many left to infect Omicron to come down as fast as it went up. Published on the 11th of January, 2022. Of course, we all know that the Omicron variant arose out of South Africa, and those of us paying close attention weren't worried about it at all. Interestingly, though, in late November, November 24th, Bloomberg reported South Africa asks Johnson & Johnson and Pfizer to stop sending vaccines. Okay, South Africa, one of many countries that are seem to be standing up against the push for mandatory planetary experimental injections, like the Supreme Court here in the USA, shutting down the mandate. Thanks for that. But interestingly, South Africa's parliament building burned down. I think it was in late, was it uh, January 2nd? So early this this month, South Africa's parliament building burned down. And they blamed it on one guy, Zandile Christmas Mafe. Interesting middle name he's got there. I didn't know Christmas was a common middle name in South Africa. Probably not. But... If I were a betting man, I would wager that the parliament building was burned down in retaliation to South Africa's actions in regards to the pandemic. The coronavirus pandemic, South China Morning Post, letting us know that we should expect more worrisome COVID-19 variants after Omicron scientists and this was published uh, this was in the ap shit this was published today i'm up on the i'm up on the news guys trying to stay informed out here you know they're they're threatening a more deadly variant experts say there's no guarantee future variants will cause milder illness or that existing vaccines will work against them with both omicron and delta circulating people may get double infections that could spawn franken variants hybrids so they're keeping the fear going sad to see sad to see and to counter this fear they give us propaganda one book i recently read i'm not gonna summarize the whole thing for you but uh the code breaker by walter isaacson walter isaacson very credentialed guy. He was the editor in chief of Time magazine back in the late 90s, early 2000s. He was the former head of CNN. So this guy's about his here. Here's his bio in the back cover of the book. Walter Isaacson, a professor of history at Tulane University, has been CEO of the Aspen Institute. Aspen Institute. Globalist bunch there. Chair of CNN and editor of Time. He's the author of Leonardo da Vinci, The Innovators, Steve Jobs, Einstein, His Life and Universe, Benjamin Franklin, An American Life, and Kissinger, A Biography, and the co-author of The Wise Men, Six Friends, and The World They Made. 
So, uh, yeah, I read this book. It was a gift from my parents. You know, I'm grateful for my parents that they stay informed. I'm grateful for my parents for everything they've done for me in my life. Give me great opportunities, great support, great education. Went on to area Catholic schools, St. John's University. Brief enrollment at the University of Minnesota Medical School in Duluth, but I left that when I realized Western medicine was full of it. And this book is full of it too. I got all these notes here in the cover here. I'm going to hide this. You see, I got all these notes about the overall themes in this book. Got four pages of notes here. Interestingly, in a nutshell, this was a, you know, this was a struggle of a read. Part of the reason I haven't been podcasting, you know, it's, it's profound how propaganda works on your brain. I will say I exposed myself to propaganda intentionally for the purposes of coming to a greater overstanding of it. But I had to say it, you know, it, uh, it affects you. And somebody who only read the code breaker would believe, you know, if this was their only source of information on gene editing, CRISPR technology and the coronavirus. This is heavily, this book is heavily pimping the official story of the coronavirus. They would believe that when you got uh, these beautiful, brilliant women like Jennifer Dudna out there saving humanity with this CRISPR technology. It's interesting. And in, in this book, he goes in depth, you know, he spends, well, he spends 270 pages basically telling Dudna's story. He's very uh, wokest in the sense that in the first couple chapters, it's all about how women are so underrepresented and oppressed in science and how Jennifer Dudna, uh, you know, overcame the horrors of sexism to save humanity with her new technology. She's portrayed as the hero, but interestingly, she also has a grant from DARPA. According to this book, she has a grant from DARPA to genetically engineer super soldiers for the U.S. military. Let's see, what do I got in my notes here? And the and uh, you know, he makes it out like we should uh, definitely be using this technology. At no point in the book, or and you know, I looked all over online trying to find out. The CRISPR technology was evolved, developed based on an evolutionary strategy, a survival strategy for combating viruses that single-celled bacteria have developed over the course of billions of years, millions if not billions of years. Now, these single-celled bacteria, they don't have nuclei. They're very simple organisms compared to the human. You know, we have so many different kinds of cells, right? The cells in our skin, the cells in our mouths, the cells in our bones, the cells in each individual organ, the cells of our immune system. We are so much more complicated. Our bodies, the interconnections, the biochemistry of the human organism is so much more complicated than a single-celled bacteria with no nucleus. But, hey, because this worked for bacteria, it's totally fine for humans. That's that's what they say in a nutshell here. 
Yeah, 270 pages of human interest and hero worship before addressing the ethics, the ethics of CRISPR, the ethics of gene editing, the ethics of things like experimental mRNA injections to combat a not-that-deadly so-called pandemic. And Isaacson goes ahead and flips the ethics discussion on its head by saying it would be wrong to not edit genes. Right? He doesn't say, oh, we, we sh maybe we shouldn't do this. He says, oh, it would be wrong not to because people are suffering from assorted diseases, genetic disorders. Stuff like sickle cell. And uh, what's the other one? I had a good friend, cross-country ski racer, and suffers from it too. I can't forget. Uh, he's hyping up HIV AIDS which conveniently sets the stage for Fauci's patented. Fauci's got his name on the patents for mRNA, HIV vaccines. I'll tell you one thing. It sure seems like a lot of people are suffering from acquired immunodeficiency syndromes that have been brought on by these experimental injections. I'll tell you that. Man, I could go on and on, but... Long story short, I don't recommend this book. I don't think you should read that book. You can if you want to. If you want to be subjected to some propaganda, you can. Again, thank you, Mom and Dad, for sharing that book with me. I do appreciate it. I would never have read it if you hadn't given it to me for Christmas. And I learned a lot from it. But I don't recommend it. One book I do recommend, however, is the one I'm working on right now, the one I'm churning through, COVID-19 and the Global Predators. We are the prey by Peter R. Bregan, MD, and Ginger Ross Bregan. This husband and wife team, man, they have put out some books over the years. Uh, here's a bibliography of their books. Fascinating. Selected books. So this is just an incomplete bibliography. Selected books by Peter R. Bregan, MD, and Ginger Ross Bregan. There's 22 books listed here. Electroshock, Its Brain Disabling Effects, 1979. 1983's Psychiatric Drugs, Hazards to the Brain. 1991, Toxic Psychiatry. 1994, Talking Back to Prozac. 1994, The War Against Children. 19, I'm just skipping around here. I'm not reading all of them. 1997, Brain Disabling Treatments in Psychiatry, Drugs, Electroshock, and the Role of the FDA. 1998, Talking Back to Ritalin. 1999, Your Drug May Be the Problem. How and, how and Why to Stop Taking Psychiatric Medications. 2001, The Antidepressant Factbook. 2002, The Ritalin Factbook. 2008, Brain Disabled. Oh, these are uh, second editions of the same book. 2008, Medication Madness, The Role of Psychiatric Drugs in Cases of Violence, Suicide, and Crime. 2013, Psychiatric Drug Withdrawal, A Guide for Prescribers, Therapists, Patients, and Their Families. And on and on. So many books these guys have written and their latest, COVID-19 and the Global Predators, We Are the Prey is a bombshell. It takes it to the next level. It takes it a little deeper. 
in RFK Jr.'s new book, although I can't recommend that book enough. I'm only uh, a ways in, but this book, yeah, very well researched, a lot of reputable sources, thousands of reputable sources in this book. And so far, what I've read, they really just blow the doors off the notion that this virus arose naturally due to a bat and a pangolin or whatever, whatever the story is now that they're pushing. And uh, just confirming that it was uh, a bioweapon generated through gain-of-function research in a Chinese lab funded with U.S. dollars controlled by Fauci and folks like his friend Peter Daszak at the EcoHealth Alliance. Then it goes on and on, and right now I'm reading about testing and you know what they're saying in this book confirms my perspective on testing, how they're unreliable, ineffective, false positives, and so forth. So I recommend that book. Interestingly, bringing this back up, Unis said, Leo, you know, I like going through, when I read a book, I like going through the reviews on Amazon. And uh, this guy, Unis said, Leo, gave a two-star review. He, uh, selected quote here from Unis said, Leo's review. Walt, Walter Isaacson leans toward hagiography of Jennifer Dudna. He chases after other trails and loses the thread of his story. He magnifies the trivial and minimizes the important. He is sloppy in some of the writing, and it has never it was never corrected in editing. He makes his own statements and injects wokeism into the text, that's for sure. He acts like, you know, this book he acts like um sexism in science is a huge problem, but he never really addresses the fact that, you know, the military in science is a huge problem. Big money in science is a huge problem. Corporate greed. And the desire for profit and power is a huge problem in science. Human hubris is a huge problem in science. Uh, this, this word he used, hagiography, resonated with me. So I looked it up. I didn't know that word. Hagiography, the writing of the lives of the saints, a biography of a saint, the writing of an admiring admiring and idealized biography. And that's exactly what he does in here. He makes it out like Jennifer Doudna overcame every obstacle in her way as a woman to bring us this life-saving technology developed based on the evolutionary strategies of single-celled bacteria. And he says, oh, we got to do it. Oh, we got to use these technologies. His only question is, should we do germline editing, which means it's going to be uh, germline editing means it is going to be passed down from parent to child. So it becomes a permanent change in human DNA, human genetic material, human mRNA. Of course, mRNA can change DNA via reverse transcriptase, the enzyme. And... Unis said Leo is the name of this reviewer. So I had to look that up because I didn't know that either. Unis said Leo, translation from Latin to English. Unis said Leo means only one but a lion.
So, Mog Farts edition two. We're following Unis said Leo's lead. Only one, but a lion. Something we should all strive to be. A bit of a lion. Gentle lion, not a cowardly lion. So, there we go. Mog Farts episode two in the can. Thank you so much for listening in. I'll try to get in the habit of doing these more often. You know, I got to remind myself that podcasts don't have to be perfect. It's funny. I was ready to do this about a week ago before I just dove deep into exploring the backcountry on skis. But the uh, program I use, Be Live, the program I use to record these, was malfunctioning. It was giving me really poor video quality, which I hope we're not experiencing today. I think I have to do these early in the morning before everybody's on their computers because it's an online video editor. It's an online streaming platform. And if there's a lot of people up and at it, streaming their Pornhub or their Netflix or whatever, it uh, doesn't work very well. Get bad quality video. I had all these news stories lined up, trying to stay on top of the times. And then, of course, a few days later, well, those stories didn't seem quite as important anymore. It's important to remember that about the mainstream media, the news cycle. As I always say, as I used to say on Wake Up Wyoming, back when I was live streaming on Facebook, the mainstream media is specifically designed to distract us, to divide us, to deceive us, to deter us from taking positive action by making us feel powerless. It's designed to overwhelm us and to depress the living shit out of us. So it's important to stay informed, but it's also important that we don't let the mainstream media the news cycle, the disinformation, the misinformation, the propaganda, the bullshit. It's important that we don't let these things consume our lives. We have to enjoy our lives. We have to do the things we love. We have to take care of ourselves and the ones we love, the people closest to us, our local communities. Some might label us a terrorist <laughs> for doing so, but... Those people have been severely misguided and it's up to all of us to help them. Recently, I've been listening to, you know, I will say one nice thing when I go out on my little ski forays, sometimes I'm listening to music. Most of the time, usually I listen to music on the way down when I want to get all excited, skiing some steep and deep, so to speak. But on the way up, I'm often listening to a podcast Two that I listen to regularly, the Joe Rogan experience when he's got a good guest on, you know. And uh, No Agenda by John C. Dvorak and Adam Curry. And Adam Curry has been making some really good points lately about how it's so important that we don't shame and belittle people who are just waking up to the ways of the world. Folks that have been under the spell of propaganda. And we have to help 
they've been they've been used and abused we've all been used and abused for so long i look at my own life you know, i remember in my late teens early 20s feeling so cynical and depressed by the world knowing that something was horribly wrong but not being able to put my finger on it spending most of my 20s running from that realization trying to hide trying to just enjoy my life and not get caught up in the bullshit trying to keep it real but still not knowing what was real what was fake it wasn't until my late 20s early 30s that i really started to deprogram myself to really get to the bottom of it to learn more about how the financial system really works how the government really works how the legal system really works how healthcare really works to really put some meat on the bones of my discontentment and here i am at 40 finally feeling like i can enjoy my life and live it halfway you know spent well i sure had a great time before i went to college you know in high school when i was just a kid but i basically spent you know my first 20 years of my life happy my second 20 years of my life often miserable trying to figure things out and now that i'm you know somewhere between halfway and you know i'm in midlife finally starting to live it it's important to note it's important to remind ourselves that nobody not even me not even you came into this world knowing everything we're born so trusting and naive and innocent that innocence is a beautiful thing but it makes us vulnerable to the propaganda it makes our loved ones and our friends and our community members vulnerable to being misguided to being misled to being deceived and it's up to all of us to help those people see through that and beating people over the head with facts and figures they aren't ready to receive making fun of people those things they don't really work it's better to lead by example be the change as god he would say so if there's one thing i could ask all of you that would be well two things share this if you like it if you like this podcast go ahead and share it because that would be rad i'd love to get a bigger audience going i'd love to get people to subscribe to my Substack or patreon you know try to make a little money off of this it's a labor of love but anybody that appreciates my work or supports it, you know, value for value is the model of the new world, the new not great reset world. If you want good independent media, if you want podcasts like this, if you want people speaking up, somebody speaking to you in a clear, calm, concise manner, somebody to help you on your way, keep you happy, healthy, well, you get what you pay for in this world. And right now I got one person as a paid subscriber on Substack. And that gives me hope. Maybe I can get some more. Maybe I can stop breathing sawdust for a living. And devote more time and effort to this sort of thing. But the second thing, more importantly, is that just be aware try to keep helping people wake up try to keep helping people make good decisions 
and do it tactfully. I'll try to do the same. Try not to poke someone, you know, try not to rattle their cage too hard or poke the bear, so to speak, but gently guide them. Because we have this, you know, what every great uh, disaster is also a great opportunity. And one thing that gives me hope, well, two things that give me hope. Number one, they're walking back the official COVID BS narrative across the board, which is huge. I pray, I pray that they don't double down. Well, they've already doubled down over and over and over again, but I pray they don't escalate the situation by unleashing a much more deadly bioweapon. Let's all pray for that. Because evil knows no boundaries. And the, the depraved techno-fascist bioterrorists who are trying to back humanity into a corner will stop at nothing to get what they want. So let's pray that they're not able to unleash an even more deadly and destructive bioweapon. And let's also stay positive because, like I said, every disaster is an opportunity. And over the last two years, more and more people have woken up to the disturbing realities of the world we live in, which can be very depressing. But honestly, look at the world 100 years ago. Look at the world 200 years ago. If you, if you can dismantle all the pessimism that's thrown on us by the corporate media, by the mainstream media, concerns about terrorism and pandemics and climate change and assorted other horse hooey. You see that humans, we're living in a golden age. We are on the cusp. We are on the cusp of such a beautiful world. And all we got to do is separate the ice cream from the bullshit. Take that bullshit, cast it aside. Keep what's worth holding on to and get rid of the rest. Let's do that. I love all y'all. Stay woke. Not in the uh, not in the Walter Isaacson sense of the word, where we focus on our differences, sex, race, economic station, employment, and so forth. Let's focus on the things that bring us together. I'm going to do that. I hope you do too. And I hope this podcast served to some small extent. Mogfarts, episode two. Signing off. Y'all take care of yourselves and the ones you love. And, of course, peace.